You're listening to The Brook in Madison, Alabama. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you today. For those of you who uh, don't know me, my name is Reed, and I'm one of the pastors um, here at the Brook. And uh, before we jump into our sermon this morning, I do want to begin just by letting you know how excited I am uh, for this opportunity today. Uh, Not only is it a joy to have the opportunity to stand before you and preach God's Word, but man, it is a joy to do so on such an important day for our faith. Um, As most of you know, today is Palm Sunday. Uh, This is the day that believers celebrate uh, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So not only is this mentioned in all four gospel accounts, but it is also prophesied in the Old Testament as well. Uh, Listen to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold... Your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This prophecy was written hundreds hundreds of years before Jesus was born. So when he came riding into Jerusalem, the people were excited because they knew what this meant. They were aware of this passage from Zechariah. They knew that by seeing this, that their promised Messiah was here. They knew that their Savior had arrived. And walking ahead of Jesus, people cut branches down from palm trees. Some people waved them in the air, while other people, after they cut them down, they threw them into the middle of the road with their coats. At this time in history, this was a symbol of victory, especially in areas that was controlled by the Romans. And as they were doing this, they began singing part of Psalm 118 that says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Listen to how Matthew recorded this in his gospel. Uh, This is Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, uh, then Jesus sent two, uh, two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches down from trees and spread them on the road. And uh, and the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Church, my goal for us this morning is to proclaim the same truth. As we have an opportunity to be in God's word this morning, I hope that our time causes people to ask, who is this? And that we have the opportunity to let them know, this is Jesus. 
Not only should that be our goal this week, but guys, that should be our goal each and every week that we gather. It should be to make much of the name of Christ. And man, I am so excited to be at a church that does this each and every week so faithfully. So again, it is a joy to preach on such an important day. All right, so today we have the opportunity to continue in our series in Romans. Uh, For those of you who are just now joining us, uh, we are going to be in chapter 5 today. Uh, If you've missed the first few chapters, let me encourage you to visit our church website when you have an opportunity. Um, You have the opportunity to either listen to uh, the podcast or watch the live stream, whichever one is more convenient for you. Uh, But as you're turning in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, I want to tell you about a recent event in our household that was just a tremendous joy to be a part of. And as you're getting ready to find out, that is sarcasm. Um, About a month and a half ago, our house was hit uh, with a terrible stomach virus. Um, And this is not just any stomach virus, but this might have been the worst stomach virus that we have ever had. Like, man, let me tell you, this thing was brutal. It was bad. Uh, Like, we've had the stomach bug in our house before, but not like this. And uh, so let me give you some of the details on this, all right? This was, it all began on Monday evening, February 25th. Like, see, you know it's bad when you know the date, right? Like, this date is on our calendars now. Uh, We're going to have to to keep this one in memory. This was was not a good day for us. Um, On this particular Monday evening, my oldest son, our eight-year-old Liam... Uh, he came to us, and he just wasn't feeling very well. And uh, for those of you who know him, I know some of y'all work in the Brook Kids, so some of y'all might even have him in your class. You know he's a very active kid. It takes a lot to slow him down. And uh, he just was not his normal self on this particular evening. And so we just encouraged him, you know, hey, buddy, you'll probably feel okay in the morning. Why don't you just go get yourself ready for bed? Maybe you'll sleep it off. And uh, as you can imagine, that did not happen. Uh, rather, he spent the whole night sick as a dog. And uh, after... A long night of having a sick child in our home, we actually thought that things were over. We thought, okay, like he's feeling a little bit better in the morning. None of us got any rest, but he's feeling a little bit better. So maybe it's just something that he ate, right? Like, so we kind of thought to ourselves, no big deal. Nobody else is sick. Nobody else is acting funny. Like, maybe it was just something that he ate. We actually didn't think at this point that we had a virus in our house. And for the next two days, things were good. But what we quickly realized was that this peace that we were experiencing in our home uh, was just the calm before the storm. Uh, Around 8 o'clock p.m. on Wednesday evening, so we're now two days later, uh, we were brushing the kids' uh, teeth to get them ready for bed. And uh, my wife was talking to me, trying to carry on conversation about something. I'm just going to be honest with you. I have no clue what she was even trying to talk to me about that evening. Um, All I could think to myself in that moment was... I feel like garbage. And so I finally just had to stop the conversation mid-sentence. And I said, hey, I am so sorry, but we were going to have to call a timeout real quick. Like, I do not feel good. Uh, I need to go lay down on the couch for a little bit. And what happened next can only be described as a complete disaster uh, for our family. Uh, In a matter of about two hours, from about 8 o'clock until about 10 o'clock that night, myself, my wife Sarah... Our four-year-old daughter, Ava, and our six-year-old son, Levi, we all went down one right after the other. Like, just, it was was unbelievable. I've never seen this happen before. Uh, The only person in our house that was not sick at this time was Liam, our eight-year-old son, but he just gave it to us, so he doesn't count. He doesn't matter at this point. Um, So he was kind of on his own. And I don't know about your family, but I don't think that this has ever happened for me and Sarah before. 
Like, I don't think that we have ever both gone down at the same time. And if we have, it wasn't like this. This is the first time uh, that this has happened for us. Usually in a situation like this, one of us is still standing. One of us is able to still help the kids at least a little bit. Um, But not this time. This was one of those rare moments in our household where there was really nothing we could do. It was one of these things where all you could do is just look over at the kids and (laughs) good luck, kids. Hope you can make it for the next 24 hours without us because we can't help you. And my poor wife, she did everything she could to help, but um, that was a a mess too. Uh, I was was of no value. I just laid on the couch and just prayed uh, that this thing would end soon or that Jesus would return. It was, it was one of the two for me. It was, it was terrible. Um, But you know, after this terrible virus had had finally run its course. Unfortunately, that is where the uh, fun part began for us. For those of you with small kids, you know exactly what I'm getting ready to talk about. That is when the cleanup process uh, begins. Um, If you have small kids and you know that when there is uh, any kind of virus in your house, you end up having to wash everything. You end up having to wash the sheets, pillows, clothes, and the carpets. The carpets. Man, like, I do not know what it is um, with little kids. Um, if your kids are anything like mine, they don't understand what's getting ready to happen to their bodies. And so rather than running and getting in front of, like, a toilet or uh, a bucket or uh, a garbage can or something like that, what do they do? No, they're, they're not normal humans at this point, right? They walk out into the middle of the room on top of lightly colored carpet to let you know that they don't feel well and they think that they're going to throw up, right? And then you have about half of a second to respond before the damage is done. Usually, you don't make it in time. And unfortunately for us, with three kids under the age of 10, that is exactly what happened to us multiple times. So it was a train wreck that week. Uh, Thankfully, uh, Sarah's parents live in town, and they have a really nice uh, carpet cleaner that they let us borrow. And uh, this thing was awesome. Not only did it clean, but it also sanitized. So for you germaphobes out there, uh, just know our carpets are probably cleaner now than they were before uh, we even moved into our house So listen, I share all this with you to say this, okay? On that Monday evening, our oldest son, Liam, came into our house with what we thought was no big deal, right? We thought, oh, it's just something that he ate. We downplayed it. We thought, no worry, no trouble at all. He'll sleep it off and be okay in the morning. And what we thought was no big deal ended up being a massive deal, ended up being probably the worst stomach virus that I've ever had, and along with my family as well, I think that we would all agree, this thing ruined us for days. Like, it was bad. Even after it was over, it was just days of just trying to recover your strength. Like, it was terrible. And today, in our passage, we are going to see a similar story. We are going to see that sin, even when we think that it's not a big deal, it is a massive deal. And just like a stomach virus, sin gets passed down through the generations and it ruins everything. But thankfully this morning, we are going to also see that Jesus came and he fixed everything. So that is where we are going this morning. Uh, Today we're going to be spending most of our time in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. Um, I'm going to be spending the majority of our time in the ESV, so if you have a digital copy of God's Word, let me go ahead and and encourage you to set your translation to the ESV so that our translations match. 
And for those of you that use the Bible app from YouVersion, let me also remind you that you can easily follow along today with the YouVersion Bible app events. When you open up the app, if you just touch the More button in the bottom right corner, select Events, you'll see the brook listed as a live event where you can easily follow along with all of our scripture, fill in the blanks, quotes, all that stuff. So it's all in there. makes it very easy for you. All right, well, today we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture that stands at the very heart of Paul's letter. So at this point, if you've been tracking with us for the last couple of months, you know that Paul has already presented mankind as sinners and Christ as the one who has died to redeem them. And in today's passage, Paul is going to answer the question of how is it that all men except Jesus are sinners? And in his answer, he takes us all the way back to the creation story with Adam. And we look at uh, Adam's time in the Garden of Eden uh, where he sinned. And we're going to see how that has affected everyone. Uh, What we are going to see this morning is that where we experience ruin from Adam, we can experience rescue from Jesus. So let me go ahead and read our passage for us. And then we can break this down together. This is Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of the one... um, Well, I lost my place, I'm sorry. For the many died through the one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of the one... Man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. For the judgment following the one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, so as you can see this morning, we have quite a bit of scripture to unpack together. So let me go ahead at this point and go ahead and give you your first point. Uh, Inside of your uh, bulletin, you should have a two-point handout for our sermon this morning. This is the very first thing that I want us to affirm together. Through Adam... We received sin and death. Through Adam, we received sin and death. Look again at Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all 
sinned. So what is this verse talking about? Well, as some of you know, Paul right here is referring to the original sin of Adam in the Garden of Eden. So let's take a quick look at Genesis chapter 2 and 3 uh, so that we can have some context for what it is that we're going to be looking at today in our passage in Romans 5. So this is Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. We're going to see a little bit of the creation story, and then we're going to jump down to Genesis 3 and take a look at where things fell apart. So this is Genesis 2, 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. All right, jump down to chapter 3 right now. We're going to start at verse 1, and this is where things really begin to fall apart. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say that you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. And the eyes of both were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I've commanded you not to eat? And the man said, and here's where the blame game begins, okay? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and above all the beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel." To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust, or for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Did you hear verse 19? Death is part of the curse. For by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust. And to dust you shall return. 
So as we see in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve did not think that their sin would be that big of a deal. And unfortunately, guys, if we're honest with ourselves, many times we act the exact same way. We think that our sin isn't a, very, isn't a very big deal either. And this is especially true if this is like a private sin, something that we're wrestling with that nobody knows about, something that's just in our hearts or in our minds and we don't think anybody knows. Like maybe you struggle with lust or pride or greed or just a selfish heart. And in those moments you think to yourself, man, what's the big deal? Everybody struggles with something. This sin isn't going to hurt anybody. No one even knows that I struggle with it. However, as we just saw in our passage and affirmed in our first point, sin is a very big deal. Not only does it cause pain and suffering in this life, but with it comes death. Every time that we go to a funeral, we are reminded that something is not right. We were not made for death. We were made in the image of God to live forever. And instead, we experience death because of the sin of Adam. And as most of you know, it is not just physical death that entered the world at this time, but it was also spiritual death as well. At that moment, Adam and Eve were very much alive physically. Like when they took that fruit and they ate of it, they did not fall over dead physically in that moment. They were still very much alive physically. But also, in that moment, the second that they disobeyed, they were spiritually dead and they were in desperate need of a Savior. Now, some of you who are new to church might be hearing this for the first time and thinking to yourself, so are you telling me that this passage is saying that as a result of somebody's mess up from thousands of years ago, that that's why I struggle with things now? Is that what you're saying? And that's exactly what this text is saying. When Adam sinned, the human race sinned. And why? Because the human race was in Adam. He and his wife Eve at this time, they were the only two people on earth. They were the human race. So when they started to have children, they passed their sin nature down to them. It is like a virus that just gets passed down from one generation to the next. This is why I started our time by telling you this goofy story of my family with a stomach virus. I wanted to have a simple way of, of trying to communicate to you that this thing spreads just like a virus. And unfortunately, though, we get this virus from birth. We are born with it. But to be perfectly clear, it is not just Adam's sin that causes problems. It is also our own sin. Like, yes, we are born sinners, but make no, mis no, mis make no mistake about it. You are still guilty because of your own sin as well. Look again at verse 12. This is Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Let me remind you of what we learned a few weeks ago in Romans chapter 3 says right here in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So not only were we born sinners, but we continue to sin. We are guilty. And just like Adam, we are deserving of death, even as a result of our own sin. When we sin, it is basically just a vote of affirmation for the rebellion. It is basically our way of agreeing with what Adam has done. We are guilty. 
Let's keep reading. This is verse, uh, verses 13 and 14. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. All right, so what are these verses talking about right here? Simply put, even before uh, Moses received God's law, people were still held accountable for their sins. And how do we know that? Because they died. So from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, which is when the law was given, okay, it was about 2,500 years. So that means that for that 2,500-year period of time, God had not revealed his law yet. However, death still reigned. So even though the law was not given yet, the sin of Adam had still infected everyone. The very fact that people died during this 2,500-year period of time is proof that there was still sin to account for because death is the consequence for our sin. And as we just affirmed in our first point, through Adam, we received sin and death. But there is good news. The story does not end here, and praise God for that. For the rest of this chapter, Paul begins to break down the differences between what Adam did and what Jesus did. This is a turning point in our passage. He has laid out the bad news. And now he is beginning to show us that there is hope. So take a look with me at the beginning of verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. Amen to that. Second point, let me go ahead and get you to write this down. Through Jesus... We receive grace and eternal life. Through Jesus, we receive grace and eternal life. All right, let me go ahead and read verses uh, 15 through 19 for us. I'm going to read this to you from the CSB. This is the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, I actually think that the CSB does a better job right here of actually showing the comparison between um, Adam and Jesus. So let me read this for us and then we'll break it down. Uh, Verse 15, But the gift is not like the trespass. For if by the one man's trespass the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many. And the gift is not like the one man's sin. Because from one sin came the judgment, resulting in condemnation. But from the many trespasses came the gift, resulting in justification. Since by the one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So then, as through one trespass there is condemnation for everyone, so also through one righteous act there is justification leading to life for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so also through one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Let me tell you right now, if these verses right here don't cause you to worship, I don't know what else will. Right here, Paul is painting a picture that could not be clearer, where Adam failed, Jesus succeeded. Verse 15, 
People die because of Adam, but people receive grace because of Jesus. Verse 16, judgment and condemnation came because of Adam, but justification came because of Jesus. Verse 17, death reigned because of Adam, but grace and righteousness reigned because of Jesus. Verse 18, condemnation came because of Adam, but justification and life came because of Jesus. Verse 19, we became sinners because of Adam, but we can become righteous because of Jesus. The picture could not be clearer. What Paul is communicating here is that Jesus came to fix everything. Guys, we are broken because of sin, but because of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, we have hope. Things can be made right again. Now, I do want to take a moment to address just a few theological concerns that some people have with these uh, few verses right here. Uh, these concerns come primarily from the way that Paul uses uh, the word uh, many and the word everyone. Uh, look with me again um, at verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if by the one man's trespass the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift, which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many? So when Paul said, for if by the one man's trespass the many died, he is saying that everyone dies because of the sin of Adam. Like we've all been infected with it. Like, there's nobody walking around right now on earth that's 6,000 years old, right? Like, we know that Paul is referring, when he says the many, he's talking about everyone. We've all been infected with sin. We were born with it. There's no one that escaped it. Next, look at verse 18. Let's take a look at the way he uses the word everyone. So then, as through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone. So also through one righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everyone. And again, when Paul says through one righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everyone, let me just go ahead and be perfectly clear. He is not suggesting that everyone will be saved. To be perfectly clear, Paul does not hold to universalism. Um, if you spend two seconds reading any of Paul's letters, then you know that he believes uh, that the only way to be saved is through faith in Christ. Uh, this is why it is dangerous to cherry pick just one verse here or there and to try to build a, a huge theological argument around it. Um, that's a dangerous game to play. You have to read things in context. Speaking of context, actually go back one verse, look at verse 17, and you can see from verse 17 that Paul does not believe that everyone will be saved. So this is proof that he does not hold to universalism. Look at verse 17. Since by the one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Did you hear it? Those who receive. So then obviously this begs the question, well then who receives it? Who's going to receive God's grace? And who's going to be saved? Well guys, this is exactly why here at the Brook we preach through books of the Bible from start to finish. Because as we're going to find out in a few chapters in Romans chapter 10, we have the answer to that. And I'll go ahead and kind of give you a sneak peek. But Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So who receives it? Those who confess Jesus 
as their Lord and Savior. All right, let's keep reading. Let's take a look at the final few verses for our passage today. This is uh, verse 20 and 21. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, so in verse 20, Paul gives us some insight into one of the purposes of why God's law was given to Moses after the Exodus. And one of the main purposes that we see described right here is that the law was given to increase the trespass. So now let me ask you, why would God want to increase the trespass? Like as some of you know from reading your Old Testament, it's not just the Ten Commandments that were given, right? Like if you, if you use just the traditional uh, Jewish numbering system, there were actually 613 laws given. So let me ask you again. Why would God want to increase the trespass? Why would he give hundreds and hundreds of laws to people who are born with a sin nature, who he knows are going to have a hard time obeying? Well, that is our answer. One of the purposes of the law is to show that we cannot perfectly obey. It is to show that we are sinners and that we are in desperate need of a Savior. In the Expositor's Bible commentary, Everett Harrison says this, It appears that Jesus sought to apply the law just this way, to awaken a sense of sin in those who fancied they were keeping the law tolerably well, but had underestimated its searching demands and the sinfulness of their own hearts. He goes on to say, Paul insists that only where, seen, only where sin is seen in its maximum expression can divine grace truly be appreciated. Verse 20 and 21 again. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what is Paul getting at right here? Through the law, we should, be a, we should be completely aware that we do not measure up. We fall short over and over and over and over again. But guess what? Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. The grace of God is bigger than our sin. And praise God for that. Because we know from Scripture, as we just read, those who confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior will receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What a wonderful truth for us to celebrate this morning. Guys, this morning we have affirmed two things. Through Adam, we received sin and death. And through Jesus, we receive grace and eternal life. As we close, I want to share one more comparison with you. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, where Adam failed, Jesus succeeded. This actually happened in more ways than you might think. And I want to show you this morning, I think that this is really cool. Adam was born of dirt. Jesus, on the other hand, is the eternal Son of God. Adam was tempted and failed. Jesus was tempted and victorious. 
Adam blamed his bride, Jesus took the blame for his bride. Adam brought a curse because of his sin. Jesus became a curse for us by being nailed to the cross. Adam died and was put in the grave. Jesus died and rose from the grave. Guys, as you can see, where Adam provided ruin, Jesus provided rescue. This morning, if you are here and you are a believer, man, I hope that this passage has encouraged you And I hope that you leave this place just reminded again, knowing that Jesus came and he has fixed everything. Everything that Adam messed up, Jesus came and fixed. What a wonderful Savior we have. What an amazing truth that we get to celebrate each and every week that we gather for worship. And guys, if you are here this morning and you have never confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, man, I want to invite you to do that this morning. Scripture says that that Jesus has died for your sins and you can be forgiven of your sins if you would just confess him as your Lord and Savior. And immediately after this service, I'm going to be down front right here and I would love to start those conversations with you. But guys, listen, this morning, I hope that you know that where Adam failed, Jesus succeeded. And that should be a truth that we celebrate each and every day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you just for the opportunity that we have to gather in this place each and every week to study your word and to give you the worship and the praise and the glory and the honor that you so richly deserve. God, we pray that we will never take this for granted. God, we are meeting in here right now with lights on, with doors unlocked, with a sign out at the street, with a website that encourages people to come. Lord, we know that there are many believers right now uh, who do not get to experience the same way of worship that we do. Right now, they are meeting with doors locked, with the lights low, with the blinds shut. God, we pray that we will never take this for granted, but rather instead that we will take every opportunity that we have to be in your word and that we will take advantage of that, that we will learn what your word has to say to each and every one of us, that we will apply this to our lives and become more and more like your son. God, we thank you for the truth of today's message. That where Adam provided ruin, that Jesus has provided rescue. God, we pray that if there is anybody here in this room right now that does not know you, God, we pray that today will be the day of salvation. God, we pray that that today that they can understand that there is hope. And that that hope is found in one name. And that's the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for this time. We love you. We thank you for loving us. God, we pray that you'll be glorified 
in the rest of our worship time this morning as we uh, close out our time together in song. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Brook. If you'd like more information about our church or what it means to follow Christ, you can visit our website at thebrookchurch.com.